If you've got a Bible with you, we have a few wee passages. We are going to uh, installment number five. Uh, it's interesting. I was saying to one or two people, it's interesting that it coincides with this weekend. And it's for Jabez, praise Lord, that you will keep me from harm, it says in the ESV. Uh, but that harm is a different word that you would use in your ordinary everyday language, which you'll find out. It really means, Lord, that you'll keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. And I thought it was very apt that we coincide at this time uh, with this time of year. So if you've got a Bible, then I want you to turn with me to a few passages. Number, the first one is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Then uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 to verse 26. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 to verse 26. Uh, but first of all, and then we will uh, just go over to our text for the message when we come to it, to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. But here, Mark, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 uh, to 13. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and here's how it goes. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed holy be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also are forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Then over there to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 to verse 26. See, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant, this is a good one that we should all learn, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And then over there to 1 Chronicles and where we will be centering our thoughts as we come to this great prayer of Jabez. In 1 Chronicles 4 verses 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh that you would bless me and enlarge my border. And that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Amen. And I trust that the Lord will help us uh, as we come to his word. Having uh, found trouble, uh, an employee, uh, uh, having found trouble in the car park, trying to find a parking space because he had an appointment with one of, his, uh, one of his bosses. After having 
travelled around the car park for quite some time. He put a little note, he had to park the car illegally, and he put a little note, I have been circling the car park for the last 20 minutes. And he said, I've been trying to find a parking space and could find none. And if I don't park the car and go and get my job, or, or get my interview, I will lose my job. Well, he went for the interview. He came back to the car. And on the car, there was a little note from the traffic warden. I have been working around this car park for 20 years. And he said, uh, uh, sorry, I should have said, uh, the, 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 the employee said, forgive me my transgressions. That'll set you up. And then the traffic warden said, I've been traveling around the car park for the last 20 years. And he says, if I don't give you a parking ticket, he said, I will lose my job. And he said, lead us not into temptation. <laughs> that about sums up Jabez and his prayer. He recognized the importance of living right before God. Because everything else that comes before depends on him living a godly, righteous, and upright life. That if God would bless him, and if God were to enlarge his coasts, and if God were to keep his hand upon him, it meant that he had to keep his life right and see that his life was right. And if, when, if and when and where sin would enter in, that he would deal with it as quickly as it would come into his life. Spurgeon, or sorry, Orle Torrey said, as he came to a church to preach a week of meetings on revival, he said, I'm going to set out a program to bring revival to this fellowship. And as he began to set out his program, at the very start of this program that he set out, he said, first, a few people need to get thoroughly right with God. Emphasizing this point, he explained, if people do not get thoroughly right with God, there's no point in me giving you the rest of the program. My dear friend, we have a heart cry. If you were here on Thursday night, we have a heart cry for revival, haven't we? We're, we're tired of living in lethargy and half-heartedness and lukewarmness. We're, we're tired of hearing the name of Jesus being brought into the gutters and Christians being pressed to almost exclusion, excluded in the thinking and the, and, and the, and, and the, and the understanding of humanity. But if we are truly to experience revival, revival begins in your heart and mind. When we deal with the issue of sin, so that then the, God, the Lord can bless us, that he can enlarge our coasts, and that his hand can be upon us through every situation and circumstance. Jabez asked, keep me from harm. That word harm means evil that harms our relationship. Jabez was acutely aware that there could creep into his life things I understand you had a good meeting with, Al, with Stephen last Sunday and he talked about getting the ashes out of the fire so that the, that the air can get at the fire so that it'll glow and burn. It's very similar to what I'm saying today. If God is to come in revival into our land, we have to deal with sin that's in the church. 
and in our own lives. And it's all very well asking God to revive us. Maybe God wants to revive us, but we're not willing to deal with the cost of revival. He is thinking of things that displeases the Lord. Things that he knows would spoil his relationship with the Lord. And at all costs, Jabez wants to know that oneness, that fellowship with God, because he knows, as the ancient writers knew, that can two walk together except they be agreed. So whenever we look at this request of Jabez, that you would keep me from harm, he's saying, Lord, will you do something? Will you keep me from ever stepping into anything? That will harm our relationship. And he will put a title, anything that's evil in your eyes, not my eyes. You know, folks, haven't we got a poor definition of sin, haven't we? I think that is the problem of the church today. We have a very poor definition of what sin is. And if we would start looking at sin through the filter of God, we'll just see how utterly sinful sin really is. And if we did that, there would be an awful lot of stuff that we are entertaining today that we wouldn't entertain. There would be an awful lot of things that we would not accept that we're accepting today. There would be an awful lot of actions we're taking that we wouldn't take where we too see sin through the eyes of God. Here's what David said. At one point, he thought it was okay to have an immoral relationship with Bathsheba. But he caught himself on and he said, Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Because you will be proved righteous and godly and holy in all your judgments of sin. And so we're going to look at Jabez's prayer. We're going to try and get inside the head and inside the heart of Jabez. And we're going to try and say, because it says that God heard Jabez's prayer, and we have a record of Jabez and the blessing that God had on his life, and the blessing that he was. And if we want to be a blessing, then we have to learn these principles for ourselves. And it just might be, it just might be, there would be one person today will say, I'm falling out with sin, and I'm falling in in love with Christ today. And your life will take off from this moment. And you'll begin to see God's hand on your life like it was on Jabez. And my dear friend, everyone that you know and come to know will be blessed through knowing you. Just as we are blessed through knowing Jabez. So fasten your seatbelts. Let's look at what this prayer really meant as we enter into the experience of Jabez. Here's the first thing. He feared the potential of evil. You know, Jabez was aware of his potential to sin. And by this request, he knows there's weaknesses lurking in his dark heart. He knows that he has a propensity to err and to harm and to grieve the heart of God. And my dear friend, there's a lot of people who don't realize that. That there is that propensity, that potential of sin in their lives. 
Someone said, prevention is better than the cure. And every believer does well to realize that they have the potential to grieve the heart of God. Here's what Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians 12, said. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, in chapter 6 and verse 1, says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any fault or transgression... You who are spiritual, restore them in a spirit of gentleness and keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Transgression means fault, to slip, to fall. And as I thought about that this morning, I'm going to challenge you. Does anyone here any morning ever waken up and say, I'm going to go and do something that's deliberately and knowingly sin. Do we? I was hoping to hear no. In fact, if someone here did get up in the morning and they knew that they were going to do something that day that was deliberate and known sin, I would say you need to go home and have a good, hard look at your experience with God. I know that John writes, if any man sins, sorry, that he says, he said, if any man sins, that we have an advocate with God, the righteous, the Lord Jesus. And so notice why he said this. Three reasons. There's the eat internal reason. Galatians 5 and 16 says, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, I want to try, I try and explain something to you. What does it mean to have the Spirit and the flesh? You and I were born with a fallen nature. We had that ability to, that bias. Has anybody here played bowls? Yes. And, and when you play bowls, there's a bias in that bowl. And yet, for, for all the will in the world, that bowl will not go right because it is the propensity to go wrong or go off to the side because it has got a bias. I have a friend who's got a new car recently. Well, new to her. Not right, Esther? And I was driving it one day just to see what kind of a yoke it was. And, and it kept pulling into the left. And I said... The alignment's gone in that car. And if I drove that car any length of time, I'd get my, arm, my arms would get sore because it's pulling me into the left. Is your car like that? Well, the, the garage man said it's pretty normal. Well, I don't see that as normal, do you? What do you think, Gary? No, it's not right. You and I were born with our alignment off. We were born with a bias. But then when we got born again, it didn't disappear. We got the Spirit of God, the new nature. And the Bible says that the new nature will fight against the old nature, and the old nature will fight against the new nature. And the secret, the secret of overcoming the old nature is starving it, denying it. Not ignoring it, denying it. Because as you grow and go with the Lord, you will know that you will have civil war going on within your heart. Here's how Paul described it. The evil that I would not that I do and the good that I would, I do not. 
shall deliver me, he says, from this body of death. And then he goes on to say, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said, I think it was the church of Corinth, or it was at Rome. He says, if any, man, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things, uh, the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. New. There's a newness happens within our hearts. And if you've been born again, you'll know that that spiritual nature is craving for the milk that Peter talks about. And then it talks about in Hebrews about the bread, the meat of the word. And this craving and crying to be fed because there's that potential within us to live according to the flesh. And we must starve it and feed the spirit. The internal reason. I don't know if you know anything about cuckoos. But cuckoos lay their eggs in the nests of other birds so that the effort of rearing them is done by other birds. And when they hatch, the cuckoo chip, uh, chicks trip, uh, tip out any other chicks out of their nest so that they receive all the attention and food. And Spurgeon says we have got two birds in the nest and one wants to chuck the other out. And we need to chuck out the old nature and let the spiritual nature grow within us. Jabez knew that and acknowledged it. And if you are honest with your heart, you'll know there are times in your life when you want to do the great thing, but the old nature takes over and tries to ignore what you want to do in the spirit. The Bible says, walk in the spirit and you not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Not only is there the internal reason he prays this, there's also the external reason, the world. We live in the world. Here's what John says in 1 John 2. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The world is that thing that lies between you and seeks to come between you and God. Constantly luring and drawing and pulling and tugging and enticing us away from God and his spirit. Does anybody here ever do a wee bit of fishing? I used to do it another day. You don't do any fishing. How adventurous you must be. Well, when you put a bait at the end of your fishing rod, it's called a lure. We used to call them lures. And dependent upon the type of fish that you wanted to catch, determined the lure that you put on the end of your fishing rod. And you can either do coarse fishing, you can do river fishing, you can do lake fishing, you can do deep sea fishing, and it all depends on what you want to catch. And you know, my dear friends, that if you uh, are working hard enough and you're laboring hard enough and you're in the right area, in the right place, that that lure will pull in your fish if there's any fish around. Jabez, as he was praying, was conscious of his weakness and faults regarding the world. And he knew those things that was the potential to lure him away from God. That would lure him away. And here's what, here's what Paul writing to the church in, in Ephesus says in chapter 6. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. There are things in this world that Jabez knew would 
seek to lure him away from his relationship with the Lord. The internal reason. The external reason. His prayer could easily be interpreted, Lord, please don't let me fall foul to the flesh and the world because I know how powerful they are when I'm confronted with my walk with you. I wonder, are we able to maintain a strong stand against the enemy today? Well, here's the third reason, and one that we all know about. There's the infernal reason. Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's an old Scottish proverb, and it says this. The devil's boots don't creak. Have you ever heard that one? He sneaks up on you when you're not aware. Whenever we were growing up, us young lads, I don't know how it was for you, but we used to have to put these wee steel tips on the tips of our shoes and on the heels. Did anybody do that? And boy, we used to think it was great. We were tripping along like horses on the road. Clip, clop, clip, clop. We used to think it was great. I have a pair of brown shoes. I don't wear them here. Because, and they're new. The only time I wear them to a, is to a wedding. And the heel on the right shoe, every time I walk, it goes, creak, creak. And they used to say where I come from, and I think it's a mental block that I have, that the people's shoes that squeak aren't paid for. <laughs> well, my shoes are, are paid for. Well, let me tell you, I couldn't creep up on anybody unexpectedly and catch them out because my shoes would give me away. The devil's shoes don't creak. He sneaks up on us unawares in a means that we're not prepared for and things that we wouldn't even think about. Things creep on us, and before we know it, it's like the lion that creeps up on, the, on its prey from downwind in case that it would become aware of its presence. Do you know what it says about Cain? It says whenever he was lamenting about his, his sacrifice, there's an interesting verse and it says this about Cain in chapter Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7. Sin crouches at the door. The, sin might be crouching at your door. Like the, like the lion just ready to, to pounce. When he finds something that appeals to you. When he finds something that's peculiar and particular to you that you would find it difficult to stand against. It crouches at the door. And of course we know that Cain didn't listen to the advice. Can you see the sense of Jabez's prayer? Lord, I want to be immune to the power of sin. I don't want to be immune to the presence of sin. I want to be immune to the power of sin that whenever I'm tempted, I want you to watch over me, to enable me, to empower me, to stand against that and give me that awareness, that consciousness of the difficulty it'll cause between you and me. 
As believers, we ought to pray. As Jesus told his disciples, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I began to think, how could God be leading us into temptation? Well, he doesn't. What he's really saying is, Lord, don't allow me. Don't let me become so insensitive to the whole subject of sin that I just fling headlong into a sinful, sinning life. Because I've known, and, and I'm sure you've known and discovered as well, that oftentimes the thing that catches us out catches hold of us and it's harder to break free, isn't it? That's the, the first thing that I would say as we would think of that old song, living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford, striving alone to face temptation storm, where could I go but to the Lord? And by the way, we can also learn from 1 Corinthians 10, there is no temptation has taken us that is not common to man. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So don't ever tell me the devil caught you out. You just let down your guard. You just were not walking with that sensitivity and awareness to the things of, of the world and how the devil works. He knew that he had the potential to sin. But there's something else here, and that's why we read from 2 Timothy 2. He also fathomed the peculiarity of evil. It says here in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22, he said, flee youthful passions. Now, that's interesting when he would say that. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. By the way, someone said that if you really want to escape from sin and, 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 and to live a life that's, that's above the power of sin, then he says, set your affections on things above. Be begin to concentrate on heaven and godliness and righteousness. But there's something here. That the principle is this particular sin is peculiar and specific to different ages and stages in life. Isn't that right? The things that used to tempt me when I was a youngster don't tempt me anymore. The things that it used to lure me when I was a child growing up are different than they are today. But that doesn't mean to say that I haven't got things that tempt me today. And whenever Paul was saying, flee youthful passions, he was specifically pointing to Timothy, who was this young fellow. He says, there'll be passions and hormones in your life that you need to stand against and don't give in to because the enemy was trying to entrap you through those. But that doesn't let us owl hands off the hook either. We can get jealous and bitter and resentful of young people and youthfulness. We can enter into the closet of gossip and slander and jealousy. We can crave after the things of this old world that youngsters haven't got a desire for. It's peculiar and particular to the different ages of life. And this, first of all, there's a truth that we must accept. Jabez was praying in light of the advice that Paul gave to Timothy. He said that we all have peculiar areas and we know where our weaknesses are, don't we? Don't we? There's an old Latin proverb. We all have a propensity to grasp at forbidden fruit, whatever that fruit may be. A person is wise when they recognize where their vulnerability lies. A person is foolish 
when they allow self-righteousness to blind them to the weak vulnerability and vulnerable areas of their lives. In 1305, I wasn't there, but in 1305, the Scottish Highlanders gained a powerful victory over the English. And what they did was the Scottish Highlanders leapt onto the horses of the heavily armored and heavily clad uh, soldiers that were sitting on their horses and riding on the horses, and they got their daggers and they stuck them through the crevices and the kinks in their armor. And that's where we get that old saying, where is the kink in your armor? And you know, and God knows, and that's the area that Jabez is saying, Lord, you know where the kinks in my armor are. You know those lures that draw me away from relationship with you. And dear God, I pray that you'll give me the strength and the courage to stand against the wiles of the devil. Jabez was asking, Lord, I want you to seal up every vulnerable area in my life that sin won't take advantage of me. Don't let me get distracted. Don't let me get diverted by some unnecessary, divisive, disgusting issue. Lord, when I don't see it coming, you can. You can. There's a woman spoke to me some years ago and Esther was in on the conversation. And she had been a Christian for many, many years. And suddenly she came one evening after a, a meeting of some sort. We were at a convention down in the Midlands of Ireland. And, and she said, I want to talk to you. There's something has a grip over my life and I need to get free. And it turned out that she was a secret smoker. And I'm not saying that smoking is the only sin that you ever committed. But she was a secret smoker. And she said, I hate myself because I, I, I hide away and I, and I smoke the bit out and then I come back as if I'm the perfect Christian. She says, and I hate myself for it. Well, we spoke with her for, a lot, for quite a while. It was after the, we had a meal uh, at the convention center and it was quite a while. We were sitting there and just before the next meeting started and, and we began to talk with her and and, and, I, and she said, I've tried everything. I've tried everything to break this old habit. And to her, listen, folks, for her it was smoking, but for you it can be some old dirty habit. Some old stinking habit that nobody knows anything about. It doesn't have to be smoking. It just was for her. And she said, I, I, I just feel so dirty. And I feel like I'm a fake. And I feel like I'm cheating Christians. And it's coming between me and God. And if it does come between you and God, then it is really sin, isn't it? And I said, did you ever give it to God? God, give it to God? God doesn't want my smoking. I said, but he came to take away the sins of the world. He came to break the power of cancel sin and set the prisoner free. And we prayed with her around the table and left her. And she came to us the next day because we were in this convention in the Midlands of Ireland. And she says, you never guess what. She says, that old habit has been broken. And I have no more desire. And as far as I know, and I knew her for quite a number of years afterwards, she never had a desire for this old smoking habit. 
My dear friends, I tell you that story because there may be a lurking sin in your life and the enemy knows how to catch you out and you might get victory over it for six months. You might get victory over it for nine months. You might get victory over it for nine years. But suddenly, somewhere, somehow, this whole thing hits you as hard again because you've probably gone through a crisis. You've gone through a situation. You've gone through a circumstance and somehow you feel that you need to reward yourself for all the, and it's kind of a soother that comes to your life. My dear friend, he is able to break that old habit and set you free. Lord, I value the blessing of God. I value your hand on my life. I value your presence in my life more than all these, these things that the, that the old enemy is offering me. Robert Smith said, he who has no mind to trade with the devil should keep out of his shop. He who would have no mind to trade with the devil shouldn't trade and step into his shop. And the Bible says, for those of you who have particular issues, set no evil thing before your eyes. Someone said it's better to shun the bait than to struggle in the snare. Mark Twain says it's easier to stay out than to get out. Temptation is a bit like that. And we dare not flirt with it. Could we confidently say then that whenever Jesus, Jabez prayed this prayer, made this petition that he was giving an undertaking to stay as far away from sin as he possibly could? There was an old employer who was, was uh, uh, interviewing some people to way back in the time when they had horses and carts. And he was... Uh, he was interviewing people to drive his old horse and cart and he wanted to see who was the wisest. And so he asked one, he said, what would you do if you're coming across a, a precipice? Well, he said, I would keep within a couple of inches and I know you would be safe. And then he asked another, he says, well, I know I can go as near the edge as possible, but I'm so good at driving my horses, we wouldn't fall over the edge. Well, neither of them two boys got the job. You know who got the job? The boy who said, I'll stay away as far as possible. How do you overcome temptation? Stay away as far as possible. As far as possible. Jabez, when he was praying, God, keep me from anything that will harm our relationship. Help me to make wise decisions and choices. That'll keep me away as far as possible as trading with the enemy. And the last thought. Not only did he fear the power of evil. Not only had he fathomed the peculiarity of evil. But he also fathomed the price of evil. He knew what it would cost him. When Jabez uttered this prayer, he knew evil would cost him. Everything depended on his success in this area and the outcome of his prayer. Think about it. Evil can stop you and me from being blessed. And by the way, evil can stop this church 
from being blessed. Psalm 66 and verse 18 said, If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And there's a peculiar verse over in Isaiah 59 and 2, and it says, Your iniquities have separated between you and God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Why did Isaiah say that? Isaiah says that because earlier on, he says, the, the Lord's arm is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is the ear heavy that he cannot hear. But the reason he hasn't delivered you is because you have sin in the camp. Sin in the camp. Isaiah says God's arm is not shortened, that he cannot save. Think of this in the personal. Maybe we face circumstances and situations in our lives. Maybe we face issues that we want the Lord's deliverance. But somehow we don't see it realized. Is it because there's some secret sin that we're not willing to forego? And it stops the work of God in our hearts? I love what it says about Moses in chapter 11 of Hebrews and verse 25. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I began to think of that this morning. What would have happened if Moses had have enjoyed the pleasures of sin? What would have happened to the Hebrew children had Moses not paid the cost of stepping out for God? Would they still be enslaved under the dominion of Egypt, ruled and ruined by the enemy? Or would God have raised someone else up? Hebrews, I believe, were delivered because Moses paid the price and became the man that God could use. It's not worth it to delve in sin, you know that. Do you know one of the costliest films that was ever made was made by Arnold Schwarzenegger? And it was that one they called The Last Action Hero. I have never seen it, no desire to see it. But they say it was at its time the most expensive film ever made. It, it was cost 1.24 billion. Can you imagine what we could do with that money? You know how much money it made? 40 million. It was a bad deal, wasn't it? And sometimes for us friends, we make a bad deal, don't we? It can stop the blessing or it can strip the blessing. You were blessed of God, knew something of his consciousness in your life, and you've seen God working through you. And all of a sudden, your spiritual life dried up. Could it be that something came between you and the Lord? James was praying, Lord, give me the gift of courage. I need to ensure that the blessing in my life will never be interrupted. Lord, give me this gift of sensitivity to sin. Lord, give me discernment to know what is sinful. Lord, the one thing that I hold dear in my life is your hand in my life, your blessing in my life, and the borders of my life being expanded. And I don't ever want to lose that. 
Let's pray together in prayer. Let's pray as we leave this before the Lord. And it may be that as we, as we come to the end of this gathering, that you may have something that you want to deal with in your life before the Lord. Well, let's just get down before him. Let's just pray together. And let's just ask him for his touch upon our lives. You ask him for his touch in your life. Maybe you've got the problem of, of anger. Maybe there's someone here and they've got the problem of lust. Maybe someone here tonight, today, and you have a problem with pornography. There may be others here and you've got a problem with envy, jealousy, gossip. You don't have to tell that to me. You can just lift your heart up before God now. And you can say, Lord, I don't want anything to come between me and you. I want to know that freedom, that cleansing, that forgiveness, that power, that anointing, that, 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 that relationship with you to be restored again. God, I pray, forgive me where I have strayed away from you. Cleanse me from those things that have grieved and come between us in our relationship. And strengthen me, Lord, to stand strong and to stride out and step out for you. Thank you for Jesus and his blood. Thank you that the blood has lost none of its power. Thank you that at this moment I, dwell, I, I, I delve under the anointing of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I receive your healing and your blessing just now. So that, Lord, no harm will come between my relationship with you. And that I might be reunited and reinstated. Walking in fellowship with God. Bless your people, we pray. Bless those, Lord, who really need to take dealings with God. May they apply the blood to every aspect of that situation. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.